This is Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Kitsy, and with me, as always, is the unfathomable Caleb Coy. Caleb, how are you? I can't, I can't even fathom where that came from. I, I pulled it out of thin air just now. <laughs> I, I would have thought you had to uh, plumb the depths for that one. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> Uh, so this week is is, uh, is exciting. We have another special guest with us this week. Yes, joining us today is uh, a dear old friend, uh, Kaylee Goldsworthy. Kaylee, thank you for being on the, uh, I was going to say show, but I guess, uh, can you call it a show? It's a podcast. Thank you for yeah, being on show. the podcast today. I'm stoked. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Been very, very excited. Uh, this was another episode where... Um, I had mentioned previously when we uh, talked about tape waves uh, how I decided I wanted to try to promote a handful of uh, friends' records, uh, and then realized after the fact that like I actually am capable of reaching out to these people and asking them to join us, uh, and so I did, and very very happy that you said yes. Of course, anytime I get a chance to catch up with you is always always nice. I can't remember the last time we actually caught up. It's been a while. I think I it might have been know. that uh, that last show. Yeah, uh, that sounds about right. But yeah. then after that, it was like, it's been pieced out a lot more so yeah. over the years. Yeah. Uh, before we begin, uh, I need a very uh, important question answered for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on John Mellencamp? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting the podcast. In what regard? In general, yeah. I feel like this is already a consensus that this is a, a <laughs> source of contention between the two of you. So I'm not sure how I'm supposed to talk about him. Um, I mean, if it's if he's your thing, then that's sick. And there, if he's not, no I guess I still here. am friends with you both, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be uh, as diplomatic as I possibly can, since this is the beginning of this of this conversation. Oh, we're diving right in. Yeah. Uh, kid, Kitsy only recently learned after over a decade of friendship uh, just how much I am a fan, uh, and it, it caused a little bit of a rift. Really? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, okay, it's mostly for show. I don't actually care. Okay. Um, <laughs> All right. And and to be honest, I was when I think about it, really, I'm not even that surprised. Like, it makes sense. It, makes it does make sense. sense. I think uh, so. So I'm not surprised. I'm just disappointed, I guess. <laughs> oh. mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Kaylee, tell us what we just uh, heard coming into this podcast. So that was Motion Sickness from Phoebe Bridgers on her incredible, I guess it is just the debut album of hers, uh, Stranger in the Alps. I love, love, love that record so much. How much? Yeah, how much? <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it came out of nowhere. Like, all of a sudden, this great record just existed. And um, she obviously, like, got pretty pretty well-known pretty quickly. And I think that it's totally justified. Um, and so that album came out in 2017. I think I saw her in 2017. Um play at World Cafe Live, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, the day place. before my birthday. So I was Ooh. like, a, it was a, I was super excited about it. But like, then everything else that she's done since then has been like this amazing super group. And I, every time I hear something new by her, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, 
I feel like it's got to be so stressful on her to be recording another album because like, how do you, how do you top everything that you've done? It's that, that album to me is just like, it's, it's as close to a perfect album as I think one could hope, especially for a debut album. That is solid praise. Yeah. Uh, I will say from my perspective, this record was pretty much exactly like it, it hit the purpose of this podcast right on the head. Cause I was not at all familiar with Phoebe Bridgers. Uh, and this record is absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, I listened to it all the way through a few times today, uh, in preparation, uh, and just, just like windows up all around the house. Cause it's a, you know, beautiful hot summer day in April, uh, <laughs> here in St. Louis. And just this, like, like all the lights off, so just natural light and just this like beautiful, relaxing like. Uh, I can't f- believe that this is like your first foray into her catalog. Yeah, yeah. very first. I'm Brand really new. happy that that I made you listen to this album. <laughs> Me too, and again, that is exactly why we do this. Yeah, uh, I think the initial idea when I when Caleb and I first started talking about this podcast was you know, we should make a conscious effort to pick records that we don't think the other person has heard. Uh, Sick. Yeah. And since we have both heard uh, your record, which we're going to talk about later, uh, I think it's fitting that neither one of us have heard uh, this record. You hadn't uh, yeah, either? No. Wow. No, so, I so, so unknowingly just totally duped you both. Yeah. Yep. No, you, you, you nailed it. That was a great pick. Um, I've been aware of uh, Phoebe Bridgers for a while. I know she uh, does some stuff uh, with uh, Julian Baker, who I absolutely love. And uh, I've been, it's one of those things like I've been meaning, like I need to check this person out. Like, you know, they, they collaborate with people I really enjoy. So obviously I'm going to want to check this out and I just haven't made the time to do it. And so this gave me the perfect excuse. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. I am, I'm a fan. Awesome. And it really is also, I think, um, with the time that we're all experiencing, it is kind of the perfect record just to put on and just do nothing except yes. just kind of take it in. Yes, yeah. exactly. That was like, that was how I, how I experienced this record today. Like I, I listened to it in the morning just to kind of get myself introduced to it and like took a few notes, but then like did my work and at the end of the day, just shut everything down and just put this back on and just sat back and listened to it like two more times through and just like got lost in it. I'm going to sound like a total asshole when I mention how I kind of first fell into listening to her. So I apologize. I'm not trying to sound like an asshole. What an um, asshole. You sound like an asshole. We do it every week. <laughs> so when I first, when I first started um, dating my boyfriend, um, we did the whole, we were both, we're both in touring bands. So we did the whole like making playlists for each other kind of thing and the first time I heard because I I feel like a lot of people have heard of her before they actually heard her like you guys have both said you're familiar with her because she's like all of these people that we have already respected and been fans of are actively working with her her or have worked with her or have toured with her and it's pretty she's in like really cool company um So I first heard her when my boyfriend sent me a playlist and I was walking through um, Glasgow on a rainy day and, and, um, Oh my God. Yes. And he put, and he put funeral on the playlist. I'm singing at a funeral tomorrow. 
for a kid a year older than me And I've been talking to his dad It makes me so sad when I think too much about it I can't breathe And I have this dream where I'm screaming underwater While my friends are waving from the shore Tell me what that means I don't believe in that stuff anymore Jesus Christ, I'm so blue all the time And that's just how I feel Always have and I always will Always have and always will And so I was just walking by myself through Scotland when I heard this song. And it was just like, that was it. I immediately was like, holy shit. I, one, wish I wrote this song. And two, need to hear everything else that this this girl has written. So it's funny that you say that because one of the things that I wrote down is how much like her picking rhythm reminds me of the way that you play. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's really kind. I her her phrasing um I feel like as a songwriter the single best like moment in listening to other music is hearing a song that you're like I wish I wrote that. Yeah. And also like I, I found myself listening to that album and, and kind of taking notes and being like, because I personally, when I'm writing, I, I try and be as percussive as I can with my lyrics, as well as like the cadence of the phrases that I'm saying. And I, I her, the way that she does it is like this beautiful combination of sometimes predictable and sometimes just completely not what you were expecting, but totally nailing it anyway. Yeah. Like, I can't really put my finger on it, but like this song in particular just made me think about how like this whole record reminds me of something, but I couldn't I couldn't place it. And like that's not a bad thing that like it reminded me of something because it was a very good sort of uh, familiarity familiarity words are hard uh, to the music and to the way she sings, to her vocals and her song structure and everything. It's just it was really really good start to finish 
And like right now, she's 25. What? Lord. So when <laughs> that album came out, she was 22, 23. Like, think about the fact that she was probably writing those songs right around 21, 22. Like, talk about also just writing with this, like, eloquence and grace of someone who's just, like, so wise beyond their years, but also, like, so many of the lyrics are so um, literal and so, like, surface that it also has that, like, really beautiful naivety to it and, like, really just simple and just fucking effective. It's it's awesome. There's something about being able to write so pointedly at such a young age about a subject as uh, deep as like losing a childhood friend. Anyway, like that's something that's, that's really difficult to deal with and to put into words no matter how old you are, but to be that young and like at this point where like life is just starting and like you're dealing with this insane event, like I couldn't have done it. Well, totally, totally. (laughs) But even thinking about the track motion sickness, I don't know how familiar you guys are with this, her in general, if you, this is the first time you're listening to the record, I'm not sure if you know that that song is about Ryan Adams because uh, she had a relationship with him. I only know that because, uh, Casey's going to give me shit for this, but uh, I use genius lyrics uh, to follow the lyrics. And there's a lot of like behind the scenes sort of stuff, like what do the artists say and whatnot. So uh, there are quotes from her about that. So. Yeah. And she is kind of one of the ones who like led that um, story to, to get out outside of Mandy Moore, which I also thought was like, holy shit. Like this woman has had a lot of heaviness in her life and she has in true, like artist, artistic beauty, just figured out a way to, to translate that into something that like people wouldn't necessarily know what any of these songs are about unless you, unless you really tried to dig in. And I think that, um, man, especially for being as young as she is, like at first I was like, how is she going to top this? And then, like I said, everything else I've heard, is just like, Holy shit. Like they, she just put out a song with the 1975, I think last week. And even that I'm like, well, shit. Oop, I just hit, I just hit a drum behind me. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, like I, I admire her so, so, so much. And it's strange now that I am getting older and I am kind of in that middle bracket where there are still people that are older than me, but there are also a lot of people who are younger than me in this industry. And I just feel so fortunate to like be touring and playing shows at the same time as someone who is such a beautiful talent. In yeah. every way. Can you tell that I have like the biggest girl crush on her or what? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. I mean, that's, that's really what this podcast is about. It is, is like talking about the, the music that we're passionate about. So. It's the funny. Cause I, I listened on. to this record nonstop when it came out, but when like, when you asked me to pick an album that I wanted to talk about, I was kind of thinking about albums that I might want to discuss. And I definitely thought about Jimmy Eat world um, because I know how much that band also means to you, Caleb and, and me as well, like straight up, we can talk about it more when we talk about my music, but like if there's a way for me to slip any nod to Jimmy Eat world in my songs, I will do it. 
yeah, um, 100% of the time. But I was also trying to think about like other bands that really have influenced me too. And Metric is a huge one. But I, I kind of thought that picking this record seemed too on the nose. But I was like, eh, fuck it. I, I haven't like... I haven't gone back and re-listened to it in quite some time, and I was kind of feeling nostalgic for it in this time. That's awesome. Uh, I will say that would have been a great loophole for me because I committed myself to not choosing any more Jimmy Eat World records until we were in triple-digit episodes. Uh, <laughs> so that's like, a, you know, at least a, a couple years worth of holding myself back. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I couldn't have done it for you. I just dangled that carrot and then took it away. Right. Well, next next record you put out, you'll have to come back on the show and you can sneak one in there. Yes. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> I can do that. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> so I would like to talk about the name of this record for a second. Stranger in the Alps. Does that come from where I think it does? I should probably clarify where I think it comes from. Huh? <laughs> I was just going to say, please enlighten me. <laughs> So, so, so no one knows exactly what I'm talking about. Let's just like no. off the top of your head. Okay. Have you ever seen, uh, the big Lebowski? Yes. 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 There's a scene where John Goodman is just like beating the shit out of this car yelling. Like, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Uh, which is obviously a little too <laughs> intense for TV. So, but they can't cut that scene out. Cause it's very like integral to the plot. So, uh, when they play it on TV, there's actually an overdub where he says, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, I need to find someone who knows her that personally follow up with this because that would be the coolest reason for why that album was called that. I, yeah. What a what a way to really dupe us all because the song is so heavy emotionally and deals with so much like heavy shit to then just be like, <laughs> yeah, I named it after the censored version of the Big Lebowski if you watch it on TV. That's <laughs> such a like it's a deep cut joke too, because you've yeah. got to know like that specific version of that line from that movie. <laughs> that would be unreal. I feel like that would just give me a whole other level of respect <laughs> yeah no, i mean as, as soon as i, I feel saw like the, the title one of the record. best ways to do anything is to kind of hide easter eggs in songs oh, yeah. regardless and i think if that was her move i respect the hell out of it so i don't know if you did research on this to try to prove your points or not but it's literally like the uh the first section of the wiki is about the title and it references that exact like line word for word nice Holy <laughs> shit! yeah I, I did absolutely no research uh i uh, just kind of went in kind of went into it just on my gut i was like stranger in the alps huh <laughs> do you see but what, I know what that is i'm looking it up now too holy crap <laughs> <sighs> it is <laughs> holy shit yeah see so, i yeah, that, I, that rules. I only decided i decided to go in on this with just the knowledge that I have. So I didn't do any extra research, which was it was a choice, but I I wanted it to kind of I kind of figured that you guys would dig deeper, but this is a whole new level and I'm really <laughs> excited about it. Wow. Holy shit. I'm I'm really glad that's actually where the name came from and it's not just a very happy coincidence because uh yeah that that 
yeah like you said that that gives me like a whole new level of respect for for her for like throwing that little that tiny little inside joke in there and i i fucking love it yeah i love it so much <laughs> so we've only talked about i think a, a couple of tracks here so far is there uh, another track that really stands out to you I mean, other than all of them, all of them, really, I want to know what, what, what songs really resonated with you guys, if I can actually be so bold as to do that. So there are two in particular because they share a theme. Uh, so I was reading along the, uh, the lyrics and the explanations for uh, killer. Sometimes I think I'm a killer. I scared you. Even scared myself by talking about Dahmer on your couch. But I can't sleep next to a body, even harmless in death. Plus, I'm pretty sure I'd miss you and faking sleep to count your breath. Can I kill? Is there nothing left to do for us? I am sick of the chase, but I'm hungry for blood, and there's nothing I can do. the artist say about this song there's a quote that literally says this song is about murder (laughs) okay um but then skipping ahead a couple tracks reading the uh the details about chelsea this song is also about murder these are the most beautiful and like pointed and like gentle songs about murder i've ever heard (laughs) And if I may be so bold as to tell you that song in the middle, Georgia, which is another one of my favorite songs, has one of the most hauntingly beautiful little motifs that only exists twice in the song and then just disappears. I don't know how you just fill that murder sandwich with something so beautiful, but (laughs) props. Because also, I mean, the track listing is really, really cool on this album, too. It takes a dark turn. There's no doubt about it <laughs> it's it's a very dark record incredibly which is another reason why i think i love it so much <laughs> i just love just the single sentence quote 
This song is about murder. Uh, I guess that was from her uh, Tiny Desk concert that she did in uh, 2017. She saw his, uh, the song Killer is entirely about toxic energy and toxic feel- feelings, uh, and I don't think I've gotten bad reception from it ever. People who come to, uh, to me and understand this song, it isn't like, my toxic energy is affirmed. It's like, oh my God, I hate that feeling, uh, hate feeling controlling. So, so that, that is another thing that seems to be like a recurring theme throughout this record is toxicity and like the, the way that people like use and manipulate and are just straight up mean to each other. Well, and I think being a woman in the music industry, you go through your fair share of that um, behind the scenes. I can't even imagine having to deal with that on a level of someone like Ryan Adams um, while you're in the process of putting out your debut album. Yeah. Um, to think about probably like all of the situation that's, that she had already been put in at 22, like I w- yeah, fucking, I mean, th- w- the Scarlet Ending, I wrote songs about murder because that's when you're, when you're young, you, that's what, when someone's mad at you or you're angry yeah. at someone, you're like, I'm going to write a song about fucking killing you. And I obviously I'm not going to actually follow through with it, but in my angsty teenage brain, that is the best that I can do is if I can't actually do it, I can do it in song. <laughs> that is true. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's cathartic for both the, the singer and for the listener, because you can get this, uh, this angst and this anger out of your system and like, like imagine doing it, but like, obviously you never actually, well, Ideally, you never actually do. If you knew that song was about you and you watched her sing that, you'd be fucking scared. Yeah. You would be so <laughs> fucking scared. You'd be like, holy shit. And that's the power of song. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's like, I, I, I feel like as a woman too, we're oftentimes put in situations that we are not able to... Um, comfortably deal with and get ourselves out of in a way. And I think that um, writing and expressing ourselves through music and art, like if we could have gotten out of our situation, like, you know, I I feel like resorting to lyrical um, metaphor is a really, really good way of getting your point across if you weren't able to do so in the moment. That makes sense. Yeah. And I I also love like going back to like the tone of these songs. I love how she like like comes across with these brutal truths, but in such a like beautiful and gentle and poetic way. And it makes it that much scarier. Yeah, I mean, and her voice is so frail and so heartfelt um, mm-hmm. that it's almost it's almost flat in a sense where like it's that way the whole time. And, and, um, it was funny. I was just talking to, um, someone about the gin blossoms album, new miserable experience. And, and in the same exact way, we're like his, his vocals are so like optimistic the entire album that you forget that you're listening to quite possibly one of the saddest records in existence arguably speaking and then we have basically on the same side well on the other side of the same coin you have phoebe bridgers talking about this dark dark heavy stuff and just constantly kind of flatlining on this really vulnerable um really like timid vocal that is just so like heartbreaking 
and just yeah. like full of emotion. I feel like that's been one of our recurring themes is artists that can make a, uh, a really sad song sound happy. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a different level of art to that. I feel like she can make any song sound sad. Yeah. I feel like Jim Blossoms can make any song sound happy. Yeah. But, and both are such a gift. Yeah. Truly. Absolutely. But yeah, I think Phoebe's team, team sad song the whole time. <laughs> and I wouldn't want it any other way because it is so, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. I wouldn't change anything about this record. I also, I, I love that there's so many like strange little sounds that happen throughout it that you're like, wait, did I just hear that? On Scott Street like, too? Yeah. Like there'll be like a phone ringing or like a car horn honking or just like some just out of nowhere sound and that you're like, wait a second, was that, was that in the music or like what's happening? And like, it, it's, it's a little bit of a creep factor if we're yeah. being honest, but like. Especially in, a, in really, headphones. It's Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were there were a couple moments where I like paused the song. I was like, "Wait, is there something happening outside?" So so uh, cool. Wait, wait, no, that sounds gone. Okay, I'll put play again. Wait, there it is again. It took me a minute to realize. Oh, that's in the song. That's actually what's happening in the song. It's also and, uh, me watching Ozark every night. So like pause and be like, "Wait, what the fuck?" <laughs> I I can't watch that show because I live too close to the Ozarks. I'm like, uh, I have no <laughs> idea what y'all are talking about. Oh my god, I know nothing about this show. <laughs> Um, Scott Street was one of the tracks that actually did like stand out to me uh, from, you know, it's, it's something that's really difficult with a record that is start to finish this good is to find like specific tracks that really jump out. Uh, and there was a couple of things that I did really love about this first. I mean, fuck yeah, harmonica. Uh, I'll, I'll take that anytime. Um, and just that sense of and I, I don't know if i'm interpreting this correctly but what i got from it was this idea like it's really hard to reconnect with people sometimes like people from your past someone that you haven't seen in a long time especially if it's someone that you were like really close with and now you're not and the song really embodies that feeling to me and it's just like all the small talk and all the hey what are you up to these days and like oh do you still do this is this still like are you still into this are you still in that band and all Dude, my and, favorite line in this song is i asked you how is playing drums? You said it's too much shit to carry. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like, that is like. It's, it is true though. It, it is. It's true, but it's also like the, the, that said that conversation, like if you were walking past two people having that conversation, you're like, you can just, that conversation says so much more than, yeah. than what it's saying. And it's just said so eloquently and so hilariously that now I totally understand why the big Lebowski was in the title of her album. Um, because it's just like, that's, yeah, it's the song is about something that's so relevant to so many of us, especially as we get older. And that's mm -hmm. another reason why as a 22 year old, I'm like, where do you get off? <laughs> How dare you? How dare you write these songs that like are just like, they, they truly fit every demographic because we can all relate to them and it's just, it's fucking great. Yeah. And I am always here for an extended, uh, oohs and oohs parts, uh, oh, yeah. which there is in, uh, in spades in this mm -hmm. song. All right. So we're going to hear some of, uh, Scott street by Phoebe Bridgers off of the album stranger in the Alps. 
And when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, Kaylee's latest EP, All These Miles. Stay tuned. Walking Scott Street, feeling like a stranger. With an open heart, open container. I've got a stack of mail and a tall can. It's a shower beer. It's a payment plan There's helicopters over my head Every night when I go to bed Spending money and I earned it When I'm lonely that's when I'll
The Storyteller Series is a podcast bringing back classic radio theater, featuring engaging storytelling delivered to you monthly. From narrated tales to character-driven stories performed by multiple voice actors, all will bring you on an audible journey. Join us at StorytellerSeriesPodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. I don't even know where to start. Five years away from the place that I wanted I, I, I'm still standing Hard to even know what to say I'm having trouble putting these words on the paper I, I, I'm still moving Still listening to Left of the Dial. I'm still your host, Kitsy. Caleb is also still here. And uh, also with us this week still is Kaylee Goldsworthy. Uh, Hi, Kaylee. Hi. Uh, <laughs> How you doing over so, there? Oh, you know. I'm doing great. Living the how's dream? The, living the dream. Sipping some tequila. I say, how's the tequila treating you? It's pretty watered down. Um, so, like, my quarantine situation was... Um, that I didn't buy any alcohol. I just wasn't thinking about it. Um, Joe was still on tour. So I kind of felt the need to just like 
supply our house with as much food as I possibly could. And I just totally spaced. So I'm just drinking through my liquor cabinet solely by myself. Um, and I, I just polished off a bottle of scotch. I don't know why I started there, but now I'm on tequila. So Kaylee, you want to tell us a little bit about the song we just heard? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, tequila. Yes. I, um, so curse to wander is the first song that I, wrote i thought you were gonna say it's the first song on the record it is also the first song on the record but there's a reason why i wanted this song to be first on the album um so obviously it had been almost five years since burrower came out which was my first solo record yeah and um if i could just briefly talk about that because sure i started writing songs for other people. That was my intent. Um, when the Scarlet ending, the band I was in for a really, really long time, how I know Caleb from the beginning, um, when that band kind of fizzled out, I still was writing songs because I had a publishing deal at the time. So I was just writing and writing and writing and I wanted to make it an exercise. And I just decided that I wanted to be just a songwriter. I didn't necessarily want to be a solo artist. Um, and then I got a Facebook message from Chuck Reagan one day like you know, like you do. It was it was cool. It was definitely unexpected. Um, but he asked if I wanted to play the revival tour. And so one of my first solo shows in New York City was at a sold out Bowery Ballroom show with Doc Reagan, Dave Hawes, Corey Brannon, Laura Jane Grace, Dan Andriano. Um That doesn't suck. No. You no, know, not at all. It was incredible. Um and uh So after that happened, I started playing more solo shows with all of these songs that I hadn't necessarily written for me. They definitely were like about me, um, but I didn't, not that I didn't have a huge emotional connection to them because I definitely did, but I don't think I went into recording that album as a, this is how I want to be viewed as a solo artist. Like, I don't think I had like my own personal mission statement as, as an independent solo person performing music. I don't think I had kind of pinpointed that. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to accomplish in playing solo music. I just knew I, I am getting shows. I want to keep playing music. I need to put out an album. So the album took a really long time for me to record. And when it finally came out, I immediately started doing hired gun stuff for other bands. I didn't tour on it at all what's really wild is the first solo tour i ever did was the tour with bayside where i put out all these miles i've never toured solo before that that is like i guess i i had to to know that but like it doesn't really sink in because i just like i I feel like you've been doing this for so long and like putting in the work for so long and the thing is that you're you're not wrong i never stopped working yeah but i never figured out who I wanted to be as a solo artist. And so I remember getting the text message from Nick and Anthony that they were coming to Philly and playing. I think that they were out on tour with, that was that cool tour with like um, the movie life and taking back Sunday and Bayside. I think that was the lineup. And so I went out to that show and that's where they were like, Hey, do you want to go? Do you want to open our acoustic tour and play with us? And this was in like June that they asked me Yeah. and I came home and I was like, fuck, I need to have an album out 
before this tour starts. And so I think that I personally had been working up to this point in my career where I knew, I knew at this point, I like playing for other people and I really enjoy the challenge and I really enjoy getting better and learning from these incredible musicians who I've had the honor of, of playing in bands with. But I knew also that I didn't want to spend my entire adult life, all of the touring years that I've got left, I don't want to solely be touring if I'm not playing my music, at least most of the time. So I was like, okay, I need to put something out and I need to make it a pretty quick turnaround. So I'm not looking to put out a full length by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But I also don't want to like sift through all of these songs that I've been writing and putting away for the past five years. I want to write four brand new songs that tell me where I am right now, how I want to be viewed when I play these songs and what I want to say. And I want to do it this way because I felt like all of those experiences that I had playing in different bands and playing with different people and playing completely different genres of music um, led me to this point where I knew what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. So I got into the studio with um, my friend Arun, who plays guitar and saves the day, and we play music together. And we'd been playing for a few years, um, just back and forth. Um, and I knew that he would be the best person to help me put this record together because we work so seamlessly together. And I think we did this four-song EP start to finish in six days. That's awesome. Wow. Start to finish. Um, it was just him and I, for the most part, we had, um, my friend Joe Longobardi come in and play drums. He plays in the Amity Affliction and Defeater. Um, and then, um, Ben Hamola came in and did some tambourines. <laughs> I love that Crucial. he came in and just did tambourine. He plays in group love. Um, and, and, um, we just, it was just like really cool. And Anthony Ranieri came in and did, um, uh, harmony on red. And it was just kind of like, we just knocked this thing out in a week and then it was ready to go for this tour. And I felt like as hard as I'd been working, I hadn't been putting in the right work to, to know where I wanted to be as a solo artist. And this was the first step in that. Um, and so in many ways I view this EP as my first solo record. Um, even though Burrower is kind of what established me in that revival tour circuit and gave me friends that I have had the pleasure of keeping and being in touch with and playing music with, um, it's even how I met my boyfriend now, which is kind of wild. Um, but I think that this album is kind of where I decided who I wanted to be as, as a solo artist. It's so funny to hear that story because I remember being so jealous of the way that you wrote Burrower going and like sequestering in that cabin in the woods and like <laughs> just, just like, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to write a record. And I like for the longest time I was like, I need to do something like that. It wouldn't work. I would just like, I would go to the, the nearest place where you could buy alcohol and like that'd be it. Uh, but like, I remember thinking like, I want to do that. Uh, but like listening to uh, this this EP and this track in particular, like it, it stands out like this really feels like uh, a nod to like your entire like personal and musical journey. Uh, and like, it didn't, it didn't kick in until you were telling the story that I realized that the, you know, for 
a long time. Like the the only times that I saw you play was with like Young and Sick or with the Mermaid or whatnot. Like it, right. it, like not actually on your own tours. And I feel like that's why I didn't realize that you weren't out there doing solo tours because I was out there sharpening my teeth the whole time. Yeah. That's kind of how I like to to look at it. And and so like to, start, to kind of bring it full circle when I came home that night. I remember talking to, to Joe and being like, all right, I've got to like go into high gear and, and finish four new songs. And I went upstairs to my office and I sat down because I was like, I'm going to write. And you know, that that's not how that works at all. Um, and the only thing I wrote down was, I don't know where to start. And that's the first line from that song. Yep. And I decided that, that regardless of what I write, that's got to be the first line on the CP. And I've got to write around that because I think that that's something that's just like so common when you are forced to, to try and channel this creativity that just comes naturally to us. Like I'm so fucking sick of hearing people saying that with all this fucking free time on my hands, I should be creative and productive right now. And I'm like, dude, has anybody ever heard of mental health right now? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to make magic right now. I'm trying to um, deal with everything that's going on in the world. And, and, um, and, and cope with that the best way that I possibly can. And I think oftentimes, like, yeah, that was kind of the situation that I I was, obviously it's a very, very different situation now versus back then, but I don't know where to start. I was just like, that's, I'm, I'm going to write about that because, because then I thought, okay, how I choose to write is I find a line or something that means something to me. And in this case it was, I don't know where to start. And then I thought, well, why don't I know where to start? And I'm like, well, because it's been five years since I put out a solo record. Should I talk to you about when I lived in California? Should I talk to you about that one time when my car broke down when I moved to Nashville? Like, I kind of feel like the only thing that I've taken from these past five years is that I'm kind of cursed to just continue to pick, pack up and move on to something else. And I try to kind of craft every chapter of my life into one small section of that song to kind of give this like really strange bookend to where I've been the past five years. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) No, I love hearing that perspective because like to me, like knowing you for as long as I have, like that's how I, how I heard this song. Like that's, that's what it felt like to me, but you never know. I mean, another recurring theme on the podcast is the ability for lyrics to be interpreted. However, the listener wants, so like they can mean something totally different to you versus to you know someone hearing the record, or they can mean absolutely nothing to the person who wrote them, and someone else can hear them and be like, "This is so deep." Uh, but I love that like like it, it stood out to me like that made sense. I mean, I've I've been a fan of your music for a very long time. Thanks, I mean, bud. Days of playing coffee shops and bars around Syracuse. Yeah, uh, and so like I, I was really really stoked when this record dropped. Um, I, I have to call out, like, I absolutely love the line, heaven knows if I'll be better, but damned if I can make things worse. <laughs> yep. I mean, <laughs> That's a good one. you just kind of feel sometimes that, like, shit's just, 
I, I, you don't know how you're going to get yourself out of specific situations. And it's, this song was interesting because I feel like so often I try and write about a very specific thing that happened. And, um, what's funny is I, I have been recording like little video telegrams for people, um, during this time. And it's been super cool because I've kind of been doing like this, like th one of my songs is like this couple song and they're, separated long distance during this whole thing so I'll play them a song and I was actually talking to uh, talking to my computer <laughs> to someone else about this song and and kind of saying like you know in most situations I feel I felt like this song I just needed to write about my story and I've definitely already written songs about everything that's in this song already but it's just totally it's a different song you know yeah. I, I, I tried to not fixate too much and just kind of like I felt like the first song I needed to put out after so much time apart was just like a, all right, guys, just so you know, this is what I've been up to. <laughs> now we're all caught up and we'll get into the heavy shit. <laughs> Speaking of the heavy shit. Yeah, let's get into the heavy shit. Did you play the strings on Jamie? Oh, yeah. Every time my plane shakes, my thoughts go right to you. And I still can't figure out just what that means. Grab my armrest if I got him Hold my breath and swear the bottom's gonna swallow us But the attendant's smiling Single file 
leave again A different year A different town So don't you worry I stopped holding my breath Hoping I'd see you around You kind of hinted at this earlier, but like you've, you've grew up in a musical family like you've been kind of just involved in it your whole life and i gotta imagine that has some degree of influence on what you do now 150 (laughs) percent yeah um and strings like most people don't know that violin is my first instrument like i learned how to play that before i learned how to play anything else and i think it took me up until my like adult life to realize that i think it's my favorite instrument to play um it is the only one that like if, and this tends to happen sometimes, like it used to happen a lot more often when I'd see Chuck Reagan more frequently, but like he'd, I'd see him at a show and be like, you got your fiddle in the trunk? And I'd be like, no, I don't. (laughs) Um, but like sometimes I knew to bring my violin just in case. And then he would say, yeah, bring your violin. Let's go play this song. And, um, so I like, that's the only instrument that if someone were to start playing, I'd be able to just fly right in there. Um, that's, that's my rock. Um, the lesson here is if you play violin, always have it with, just keep it in the trunk, (laughs) especially around Chuck Reagan. Yeah. Uh huh. (laughs) What a great man. I, I love singing his praises. Um, but yeah, I played the strings and, and one of my favorite things to do, even in the Scarlet ending times was, um, sit on the floor of the studio, lay down one track of violin, tell him to roll it again. And I'll just continue to layer until it sounds full to me. And that's pretty much exactly what we did. Like I never once wrote a part. I just kind of went into the studio thinking, all right, I've got an idea. Let's see if this works. And it did. And it was awesome. And I, I really loved, um, kind of putting that song together. That's so cool. And like that violin part just floats. So like hauntingly on this song. And I, I really love it. Uh, and we won't force you to get uh, deep into lyric analysis if you don't want, but like, mm-hmm. is there anything in particular about this song, uh, about the, the writing process, or uh, other than the, the violin part of, of, about recording, anything like that that you want to I about? I have a really big fascination with breakups. And I don't, I'm not trying to be dramatic when I sing about breakups, I'm not trying to talk about the pain that someone inflicted upon me. Um, the thing that I have always found so fascinating and so heartbreaking about breakups is the fact that you found this individual and you crafted your life around them and you experienced so many things, so many happy things, so many sad things, so many important things, so many meaningless things. And then when you break up, regardless of the circumstances of that breakup, you are just supposed to omit them from mm-hmm. the memories that you still have. Yeah. Um, and that to me is, is, is a feeling and an idea that just, I am just fascinated by. And I, um, I struggle with it. Not like in a, I miss my exes kind of way, but I just am angry at, Just, I'm angry at the state of breakups. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we, um, why can't we allow 
even the partners that we're with right now, why can't we allow the space in their lives for those other people? And why do we have Mm -hmm. to treat them like they're pieces of shit? Or why do we have to dislike them? Because at one point in time, they were with your person. Um, And Jamie is a, I love this song. I, when I wrote it, I felt really proud of myself because I felt as though I got something off of my chest that I had been struggling trying to say. Um, and it's that there will always be times in your life when something happens to you and you think about someone that once existed to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're never really going to know why you're never going to know if it's a good thing. You're never going to know if it's a bad thing. And there will always be things that make you that, that take you back to a specific time or remind you of a specific person. And I'm not trying to weigh in as to whether or not you should be feeling these things or shouldn't be feeling these things. I'm just trying to acknowledge the existence that it will happen and that it does happen and that it sucks that it happens and life continues to go on. And even though I'm, you know, you think about this person or you remember this one thing, you're not holding your breath thinking that the time is going to come when you can face them again and discuss things with them or get closure with them or anything like that. Um, so that is really at the heart of it, what that song is about. And I also was really, I took, I took some Xanax and drank some red wine and wrote it while I was on a plane. (laughs) And, um, I left myself a really long note on my phone and a lot of it made no sense at all. But, um, the line that really stuck out to me was every time my plane shakes, that my thoughts go right to you. And I think that that's like a perfectly wrapped metaphor for exactly what, what you feel when you think about someone else, um, that you're not really quite sure where it's coming from. Yeah. I love this song so much. Thanks. Absolutely. My favorite on the, on the record. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's funny because I think a lot of people think that I'm just really fucking sad. Um, and I might, I mean, sure, but I think I, I think I romanticize, um, the sadness in those relationships because to me, it is just so fascinating that we are, these people mean something and Mm -hmm. then they just disappear and we're just supposed to just, they're just supposed to be like photoshopped out of everything. You know, it's, it's such a strange thing to me. Um, and also like, you know, being unmarried in my thirties, you, I've, I've been in relationships in my adult life and, and that have worked out that have not worked out. And it's strange as an adult to then be like, wait, I'm just supposed to like, oh, okay, I guess we're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm not like, oh, my other life, you know, it's like, it's so cryptic and weird, but I, I, I think I'm in love with, I, I love diving deep into that whole murky fucking bullshit. I mean, someone's got to do it, right? I just think it's fascinating and maybe I'm just romanticizing it too much, but I, I just think that there's something really, um, I don't know. That's where all of your feelings are. I think at the the heart of it. I don't know. We're all trying to cover some shit up anyway. (laughs) I relate to all of this so hard. Uh Yeah, me too. Like I, I, like I realize this is a podcast, so I'm just sitting here like smiling, nodding, like, yep. Mm. <laughs> First time you yep. listen to Phoebe Bridgers, and now I'm just going to talk to you about my relationship with heartbreak. 
We get I mean, deep that sometimes. is literally what the podcast is about. So <laughs> perfect. It's, it's all about the relationship with heartbreak. Yeah, I I Jane. love it. I love it. And I think that's I mean, if not like, for that, what why would we do music in the first place, right? I mean, I wish I could write happy songs. That would be cool. I mean, I, I, w- I do write happy songs sometimes. I just I don't know. For a lot of people, I know I know I'm like this. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but uh you know, songwriting and music is a way to process difficult things and process trauma and you know, work through you know, work through things. And so like, I don't need to write a happy song because I don't have anything to work through with a happy thing. Right. Like I had a great day. That's not a very good song for me to write because I don't need to process those emotions and those thoughts. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't know if it's like that for you, but you know, for me, definitely like the, 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 you know, anytime if I'm writing a song, it's because there's something that like, I really need to like work out. Yeah, I kind of, like, notoriously cracked this joke on the last tour I did with Frank Turner, where, like, um, I kind of, like, apologized, because my set is, is was 45 minutes, but it was pretty much just, like, sad song, sad song, sad song. And also, without me being full band, obviously, that takes some of, like, the, um, the heaviness of it and makes everything sound very vulnerable when it's just an electric guitar and one person. Um, and yeah. I cracked a joke that, like, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not sad all the time. I just write only write songs when I'm sad. Um, if I was happy, I would write songs about like mini golf and cooking because those are my two favorite things. And I don't think anybody <laughs> wants to hear those, but it's the I truth. Do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> all right. I don't know that I want to hear a song about mini golf, but now I want to play mini golf. My next single called putt putt going to be coming out in the uh, fuck. Yeah. Fucking winter 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know that Kitsy is a, uh, a total gear nerd, I want to give y'all a chance to talk shock because I want to know how you got the tones on this. Like That was the first thing I thought of when I was listening to this record again and st- uh, Stuck came up. I was like, these guitar tones are amazing. Close my eyes, I'm blinded by sunlight, talk all day and suddenly only want more. Oh, 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 oh.
was also one of the very first things that stuck out to me. You want to know what? Out? A rune is the the gearhead. And I don't, I never took a photo of everything we ended up doing because we were working on such a quick timeline Mm -hmm. that we were just kind of like, okay, let's try these mics with these amps. Okay. Let's try these pedals with this. And he also like the, the, one of the main reasons why I knew that he was the person to work with on this EP was because I could explain it to him and he would go perfect. And this man has more guitar pedals than I have ever seen in my entire life. You have life. clearly never been to my house. Oh my God. You guys would be <laughs> great friends because this, this man has so many guitar pedals and I don't know everything that we ended up using, um, which I feel really, I feel like a novice right now by saying that I don't know what the final, I don't remember what the final things that we actually did or what he did Um behind the scenes was, I can't even tell you. I know that that sounds absolutely terrible. Um, I wouldn't know because, because also like, keep in mind, like I've got my amp, but then like I went to his studio and he plays lead guitar and saves the day. The man has sounds and the man knows exactly how to get those sounds. And I respect the hell out of him and his process. And I frankly, as much as like I had, as much say as I wanted in the record, I also knew I like one of the hardest parts of being a solo artist is the fact that at the end of the day, I thrive being in a band. I love working with other people. I know that I am, I am as analog as it gets. I'm a classically trained violinist and pianist. Mm -hmm. If I push a button on a MIDI controller and it doesn't work, I don't know how to fix it. I, I am like, I need the instrument to act the way an instrument is supposed to act for me to fully understand it. And it wasn't until this album that I switched over to playing electric guitar full time. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I wanted to record this album, I just went to him and I was just like, I put, I put all of my faith in you to, to help me craft this sound the way I know that we're on the same page. And, and I could look at him as if he were a bandmate and just be like, how do you think this sounds? You know, I, the last thing I, I wanted to hear, and I heard it constantly when I recorded Burrowers, I'd be like, oh, cool. Well, what do you think about this part? And the answer would be like, well, it's your record. And I'm like, yeah, I know it's my record, but like, are we like, can I get some help here? Like, I, and then I realized it's because I thrive. I want to be in a band, like, and I don't necessarily need to be in a band, but I want to work and play with people that feel as though they have stock in this too. Because if you're playing in it, I want you to care about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's my record, and I want it to sound good, so, like... But I also want it to sound like... I want it (laughs) to sound like Joe Longobardi's playing drums. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to take... I'm not trying to make Joe Longobardi play Kaylee Goldsworthy. Like, yeah, I've got a feel for what I want him to do, but I want him to put his thumbprint on it the same way that he would in anything else he's trying to do. Yeah. You know, and I think that that was something that, like, it took me up until this point to kind of figure out that if I'm doing a solo album, I've got to do it with the people that that want to be a part of the project, too. Yep. Even if the project yeah. is start to finish in a studio, you know, maybe, you know, I hope to tour with a band down the line. And I, I actually just recorded, um, I had a really, like, s- strong year. I, I went in the studio on January 2nd of this year. <laughs> and recorded and and now i just don't know what's 
what's up? <laughs> but, you know, got some songs. So down the nice. pipeline, we'll have those eventually once I figure some shit out. But yeah, it's the same way. Like the musicians I had, I, I wanted to work with and I worked with Will Yip in, in Philly. And I was like, I oh, want, nice. yeah, I, I wanted to work with him for the same reason that I loved working with Arun. I trust him completely. Um, and I not only trust him, but I love what he does and I love the way that he does it. And I don't want to have, I don't want someone to, to tweak around me and, and what they think I should be doing. I want someone to do what they do well and work with me on it, you know? And I think that recording just as much as playing in a band should be a very collaborative effort. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, coming from the other side of that where, you know, these days I'm, you know, producing and, and recording, it, it's it, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, if it's not something that I don't feel like I can really get excited about, I don't even want to do it because I won't do it justice. I won't do the best job I can. And, it, you know, the whoever whoever it is that's looking to record is better off finding someone that's really into what they're doing. That's awesome. And, yeah, and, and and so and I think the 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 fortunate thing for me is that like since it's not my 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 source of income, it's not my full time job, is that I can be kind of picky about what I work on and only work on like, it's it's all passion projects for me. Like I don't you know I don't do anything anything in in music for the money because I don't have to, which is a really fortunate place to be. Um, and it, yeah, it's just like I'm I'm working with a couple. Uh, I was working on a couple things when the pandemic hit that are now kind of on pause, but it's just like that collaboration working with someone who has these great songs and it's just like super excited to like realize that vision. Well, that's why I, I can't tell you what kind of guitar tones I got because, <laughs> <laughs> because I really just leaned right into that. I, I know he's, he, I, he's incredible at finding guitar tones. And it was just as simple as what you said before. Like, you know, I was like, all right, I kind of wanted to sound like this. And then he does his thing and I played one chord and I was like, yup, that's it. Hit the red button. We got five hours left. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the, you know, the thing like with, with Caleb and I, it's, it's like, you know, Caleb probably can't tell you how we got any of the sounds on the stuff we recorded whatsoever. Um, Whereas I couldn't tell you how the songs were written at all, because even though I was there, it does like songwriting is not my wheelhouse as, as much as I tried to make it be for years. It's just not. And uh, when you, but I think yeah, you, you when need you to find get the those, right people to work with and everybody has yeah. a different strength and then you all come together, it really is kind of like the power. Rangers. Yeah. Magical. Yes. Let's go with magical. <laughs> Let's not go with the power yeah. Rangers. Let's go with magical. I mean, Let's it's go. either one's fine. Yeah. You've touched on this a little bit, uh, like in, in bits and pieces, even uh, in the, the first half of the the episode, uh, which seems like so long ago now. Uh, but I mean, it was an hour and a half ago. <laughs> I feel like Red, the, the the closing track on the record, really does a great job of showcasing uh, your storytelling and the imagery that you use in your songwriting. Uh, and I'm curious if. Uh, you want to touch a little bit more on like what that process looks like for you. Like, do you set out to write a story or like do you things just kind of like, sometimes it just flows and sometimes, well, you've, you've mentioned like sometimes it's a, a process of several years. Like for the most part, when I write, I write the lyrics, the melody and the chords at the same exact time. 
I've never really been someone who writes an instrumental and then puts words to it. I'm, I will from time to time be that person who's like singing in my car and gets like a little ditty and then has to do a voice memo and then rush home and try and match it up to those chords. And it has to be those chords. Like I, I, whenever I'm singing in the car, I'm like, oh, this is perfect for my range. I really like how this sounds. I really like this line. And then I just immediately have to chase after what it is on the guitar. Um, So for the most part, like when songs don't come together all at once, it's because I have like the completed melody lyrics and, and chords to a verse or something like that. Um, it's just me completing the entire song, but not completing specific parts of it. Um, and I've got melodies that like I will think of and hum up that I've had for probably 10 years that I've never put lyrics to. Um, and I can't tell you why. Perhaps it's laziness. I don't really know. <laughs> um, I don't think so. But with Red, it's another situation where... Um, I was just kind of the same sort of situation where I'm, I'm talking about the hilarity of breakups. Um, and, um, as a girl, one of the two things that you usually do when you need a new perspective is you rearrange your room or you dye your hair. And I was a redhead for about 12 years of my life. Um, even when I started doing solo stuff And at one point in my life, I decided that I needed to step away from literally everything that had defined me as who I thought I was. And I chopped off all of my hair and I dyed it back to my natural color. And um, go figure, someone from my past decided to hit me up shortly thereafter. And I thought, how strange that in me trying to create a new version of myself, you also see this new version of me. Um, and I kind of dove into, again, it's funny because I think that, you know, I think that like, even like my, my boyfriend now, if he wanted to, he could probably be like, what's this song about? But I think he knows me well enough to know that I'm not actually romanticizing like the actual person or the actual events. And I'm just clearly fascinated with human behavior Um, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to personal relationships and pasts and um, that sort of thing. And I just found it really fascinating that here I am trying to get over all of this stuff that I went through with this person or someone else. Because honestly, Red is not just about one breakup. It's about every breakup I've ever experienced in my life. Um, I just kind of wrote it in a way where it just kind of sounds like it's pinpointed at one person. Um, because at the end of the day, I found it really funny and, and ironic and strange that after I had figured out how to um, kind of shed my skin and be who I always wanted myself to be and who I always knew I was after getting over a breakup, you know, that person that is you. It's not you with someone else. It's just you is when you suddenly decide that you want to talk to me again. And, um, you know, it's, it's the fucking weird, (laughs) weird place to find yourself. And also it kind of like, you know, as sad as that song is, because it is, it's, you know, it's supposed to be a sad song, but I also kind of, 
like leave that song with the upper hand because you know the last line is that um, I might be blue but I'm not red um I can still be sad about it but it doesn't mean that I'm what I used to be either Mm -hmm. and that person knew me knew the old me they didn't know the new me so it doesn't matter I'm not I'm not the same anymore yeah that's a brilliant line thanks um, and I also decided it's, I never do this, but I, uh, I left off the last line of the song. Um, there, you know, in, in theory, there should be four lines in that last part of the verse. And I just decided to make it three because I was like, I'm done talking. I don't, I don't need to say anything else. I had a, I had a final line and I just, just, I cut it out when I was in the studio. Do you want to tell us what it was? I think it was, I'm, I'm not read for you. Um, but I just thought, why would I even need to like dignify the fact that I'm acknowledging this person anymore? It was something along the lines that I can't exactly remember what the, what the syllables were because it had to even up to something. Um, and then I also really loved when Anthony came in and sang on that song because I thought how cool to even have like a male voice present in this song. I think it gives a whole new level of this like strange struggle to find yourself um, in the midst of a breakup and then also having a male voice counter the female voice. I was really stoked on that. Yeah. I, I mean, it works really well. And his voice is yeah, it does. gorgeous. He's got such a great tone yeah. in his voice. It was so easy to like layer harmonies on top of. And also <laughs> Kalina came by one day and she did one line of harmonies in the song too. I had to make sure that she ended up on the album. Yay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, after the, the Scarlet ending, Scarlet ended, uh, to see like the, the different, like completely different directions that you two went, uh, but how like successful as you are because you were able to continue pursuing like your own individual passions. And that's been so amazing to see, like going from like, however, like what, 20 years ago, almost like, and it's like the two of you just doing like acoustic duos uh, to like this now and like her being a successful uh, small business owner or like starting to become a successful small business. Owner. I mean, she- yeah, she's a badass, and it's also brought us a lot closer too. I think it's really difficult as a sibling and I'm sure you can also weigh in on this majorly. Um, but like with both of us being the same age, like everything we did was a competition everything we did was a competition. And I think that even when I started doing solo stuff, but she was still dabbling in music, it was very difficult for either of us to root each other around without being jealous or um, a little bit too constructive in our criticism. And I think it was a learning experience for both of us where like we truly shine best when when we're allowing each other to be who we want to be, not who we think we should be. Um, and I think that although that band was one of the coolest things, uh, coolest things I've ever been a part of, um, our relationship is that much stronger because of the fact that we kind of found our own paths. Um, and I feel like I can adequately support and be incredibly with a hundred percent of my heart proud of everything she does. And I think she would feel the exact same way. Um, and I think it took both of us growing up quite a bit for us to feel that way. Awesome. Makes me very happy to hear. I mean, you can ask anybody in the Scarlet Ending. We fought a lot. I believe it. 
a lot. I mean, like, I, I can imagine like trying to do that with like your your twin, like just how hard it was doing that with my you know my brother who's you know three years difference, so like just close enough. Uh, but even just, like just being in a band with like my actual brother and then two other dudes who like felt like brothers, like it's it's a lot of time spent around family. <laughs> A hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, it's a weird dynamic, and I mean, like Clint and I went to the same college with the same major. Like, we got zero <laughs> reprieve the entire time we were in that band. That's true. I forgot that. It was wild. It was really wild. Is there anything else that you specifically wanted to uh, to call attention to from any of these tracks, or or from the record in general, or anything like that? Oh, I did tell you I was going to give you my oh, Jimmy yes. World moment. And that's okay. in Stuck because I couldn't adequately tell Joe how I wanted him to play drums. So I just played him Kill by Jimmy World. And I was like, I need that urgency instead of in the chorus. I need that in the verse. And I need to feel that constant drive to get to the chorus where it opens up and becomes a little straighter. And the only thing I could do, like, and that's one of my favorite Jimmy World songs just ever. Futures is such a great record. Yeah. It <laughs> it's such a good <laughs> album. But yeah, so that's, that was my, that was my Jimmy World little, little, little bit for you. That's all I did. I just was like, he's like, okay, what do we think the feel is of this? And I was like, go listen to this and go, go in the other room and then come back and tell me if you hear what I hear. And he was like, I got it. Let's, let's do it. Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for coming on our dumb little podcast. I yes. loved this. Are, is every episode two hours long? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is great. It usually gets edited down to about an hour. Uh, you guys are great conversationalists. Oh, this was you. so much fun. Thank you. Uh, we'll come back anytime, please. Absolutely. Yes. Kaylee, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on the internet at KayleeGoldsworthy.com. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm Kaylee Golds. Facebook, I don't know. Just look me up. <laughs> There's probably a link on your website somewhere. There's definitely sure. a link on my website. And also right now with everything that's going on, um, I'm doing lyric sheets and little video songs. If there's any song of mine that you maybe haven't heard me play live or want to send to somebody during this time, um, I have suggested donations up for both of those things that I don't usually offer as well as my store. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty easy to get in touch with right now. <laughs> I say, can people still buy your, your merch, your t-shirts, your records, yeah, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is obviously going to be a little delayed, even, um, sadly, my shipping from my merch. I ship everything myself, but for some reason, the um, merchant who prints my, sh my shipping labels has decided to crash, <laughs> which means that I have all this merch packaged and um, can't ship it right now. But yeah, I think... Is if everyone's patient, it'll get there in time. By the time you're able to go back outside, you'll have my T-shirt if you bought it. Excellent. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> I, I would hope everyone could give you a little bit of a break on the shipping right now, uh, given everything that's going on. Yeah, it's a weird time for literally everything. Caleb, where can we find you? Oh, excellent question. Uh, if you were to want to uh, seek me out online, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Caleb Micah. Uh, and then, of course, we here at Left of the Dial are part of a larger umbrella network of podcasts called Night Shift Radio Productions. Uh, and you can check me out at uh, the Never Heard of It podcast. That's uh, thenohoit.com, uh, where my buddy Michael and I discuss uh, weird movies. 
but Kitsy, where can they find you? Well, I'm also on the internet because that's where everyone is these days. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hey Kitsy. Hey Kitsy. Hey Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us at leftofthedial.fm where you can find links to everything we've talked about in this episode and episodes past. Uh, you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Left of the Dial PC. The PC does stand for podcast, not personal computer. So I don't know who's spreading that rumor, but please, please stop. Please. It's out of hand. It's just, it's, there's so much going on in the world right now. We don't need this on top of it. <laughs> uh, this has been Left of the Dial. I have been Kitsy. Caleb has been Koi. Kaylee, you've been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Well, I guess that I'm part of the problem, but I don't really know what to do if i gave just a moment to catch up would i see things more clearly than blue in this red hot anger that i've carefully forged to a flame you'll never see even as it grows no it's just burning me well i guess that i'm trying to wake up carry on like i'm doing fine Keep my own life moving forward While I try to keep you off my mind Seeing red in all angles Now I've trapped myself in a cage you'll never see even as i crawl no it's just hurting me and this girl that you once knew Said she didn't have enough for you So I cut my hair and dyed it back to my roots And you saw me for something shiny and I guess that I'm trying to make up All the time that I let slip away While I focused on how I could get you To be better, treat me that way Cause I ain't a red any longer Myself anymore. 
you'll never see even as I go walking past you now I know all oh, the ghosts it was